Okay, let's pray for a sec. Father, thank you for just the opportunity to be here. I want to thank you for every person in this room. And I want to pray that as we just spend this next few minutes together having a look at something that you've said, I believe you've given me a word that should speak right into some of our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would lift people's hearts up today. Okay, this will stop me waving my arms around anyway. Um, so look, you, you, give up, you give up things or you start things. And I, and I gave up smokes loads and loads and loads of times. And the last time I gave up cigarettes was 26 years ago. Okay, but before that I had given them up. Seriously, I had given them up I don't know how many times. But I kept falling down. I kept something that happened and I'd end up back smoking again. And I have been on I don't know how many diets in the last 20 years. Like, I do great. Start off on Monday morning and I'm doing grand. And then at lunchtime have a Mars bar and a bag of crisps. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just one thing after another. And, and most people I know struggle with that kind of thing. We have great ideas. We get excited. We start off, whoa, this is going to be amazing. And then it goes wrong. And here's the stuff that comes into my head then. What's the point? Why even bother? I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to be good enough. I'll always be a dud. I've started so many times and not got it right. I just don't have another shot in me. I just don't have another shot in me. I tried to stop sinning maybe. Tried to be honest. But here I am lying again. Or I tried to stop drinking or drugging or sexing or whatever it was, but I'm back in the same stupid space again. I tried to be honest with the tax man, but here I am ducking and diving. So what is it that gets you? What is it that trips you up? What is it that, that gets you? Is it, is it relationships? Is it finances? Is it work? Is it something? Because if we're all honest... I think there's probably something that gets all of us. Unless you are all perfect people, and if you are, you're in the wrong place because you're not allowed in here. And whatever it is, and whatever it might have been, and whatever it will be, I just want to tell you something that God says to us in our failure. That God says to us when we drop the ball, and where we go where we shouldn't go, and do what we shouldn't do, and when we say what we shouldn't say. And you know, even when we think what we shouldn't think. And we're sitting in that quiet place, and the guilt, and the sin, and the shame... And the disappointment and all of that stuff is welling up inside of us. And that comes, doesn't it? Or is that only me? Because I have a black belt in guilt and shame. I think it was being brought up a Catholic. It really done a good job on me. I have a black belt in how to feel guilt and how to hold shame and how to be disappointed in myself. I say things to myself that I would never say to anybody else. When you mess up, I would, honest to God, I would never say to you the stuff I say to myself. I would never call you the names I call myself. And the bit that I really was thinking when I was saying this was, none of that is from God. None of the guilt, none of the shame, none of the disappointment is from God. It's all me. And, and the devil has his hand in it. And I feel bad and he says, I'll like just give him a kick when he's down. We'll just whip him when he's down there and choke the life out of him. 
And they get this phrase and it goes, look at him, he's a dirty rotten, whatever. You put your own word in there for whatever it is. But that's not God. That is not Jesus. Jesus is not there doing that to us. Jesus is there cheering us on. Jesus is saying, come on, Brian, I prayed for you. I died for you. I took the shame. You don't have to be carrying it. I took all the guilt. I took the disappointment. You don't have to keep doing this. You need to realize that my mercies are new every single morning. Every morning. Do you know what that means? That means whenever I mess up, I get grace. And if I mess up, so I'm going to talk about me when I mess up because I'm going to assume that you don't mess up as much as me. But when you do mess up that once in a blue moon, you get grace. It's there for you. Whatever you do, say, act, think, whatever you're doing when you shouldn't be doing that, the grace of God comes in like a flood. It comes in like a flood. And it washes over us. See, even when I haven't consciously done anything, I can get that voice in the back of my head saying, you're guilty. Even when you haven't done anything. I was thinking, you know, um, for example, if I'm driving through town and you see all those girls who nearly have clothes on them, do you know what I mean? And you see, but then you try not to look. But you can't get it out of your head. I can't get it out of my head. It's in there. And then I start feeling guilty for something I saw that I wasn't looking for. But I have this guilt then that starts crushing me. And that guilt is going to try and it works sometimes. It's going to pull me away from God. And that's not God's plan. Hey, how are you? She likes me. Leave her alone. (laughs) I haven't even consciously done anything. But I have this voice inside going, look at you. And then I get buried in this guilt and this shame. Anne is my accountability partner in life, in everything, in all the stuff I have that trips me up, that gets me down, that I break, then wherever I sin, whatever goes on in my life, Anne is the one. Because I have had male accountability partners, I've had friends in church, I've had all kinds of stuff. And to be quite honest with you, it was useless because I could waffle them. I could tell them, oh, I'm trying really hard and blah, blah, blah. And then they go, oh, yeah, I know what it's like. But she sees through me, which is great. But sometimes I could be just sitting at home and I might be just watching Netflix. I might be dotting. I'm probably in my head. I should be studying or I should be walking or I should be doing something. But I'm just not in the humor. And I'm having a cup of coffee and I'm watching something on the telly that I shouldn't be watching. Not that it's bold or anything. I just should be walking instead. And she'll come in and then I have this big guilty look off on my face. Do you know that kind of way? And she go... What are you doing? She just looks at me. It's like, do you know the kid who walks in whistling and you know they're trying to look innocent? And she just looks at me and I go, I didn't do anything. I promise, I swear to God, I didn't do anything. I was just looking at Netflix. But that is this guilt that condemns. And a lot of times it can get you and you don't even know what's going on in your life. You don't understand why you're feeling guilty. Someone says to you, what's wrong with you? You go, I don't know, I'm feeling down, I'm feeling guilty. And you go, what are you feeling guilty? I don't know, I think I'm breathing. There's something, there's something going on that has me feeling this way. I want to say to you, if, if you ever feel that way, that is not the Lord. Because if the Lord ever convicts you of something, you'll know absolutely for sure what he's convicting you of. You will know exactly what it was you said, exactly what it was you did or didn't do, exactly what you were thinking 
looking at or talking about or gossiping or whatever it was, you will know 100% because the Holy Spirit will put his finger on it. And he let you know what it was. And do you know what's amazing about when he does that? He does it with grace. He, does it, he doesn't do it with a big stick. He doesn't do it to bait us up. He doesn't do it to make us feel worse. He does it with grace to bring us back to a place of repentance so that when we get there, we can then get freedom. And he does it with abundance. Remember last week, Mimi was talking about how the Father lavished his love on us. Lavished. When I ask you something, I'm going to use Diana as an example for a minute. Couldn't you see somebody lavishing love on a little one like that? Can you imagine? Can you imagine how you would lavish love on a child like that? Who's smiling at you, who's looking at you. Wouldn't you just want to give her all the chocolate you had? Give her all the goodies you could think of? God is infinitely more wanting to lavish stuff on you. Infinitely more. He just wants to pour blessing after blessing after blessing out into your life and into my life. It says in Lamentations, because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Every single morning he has something new for us. New mercy, new compassion, new love, new joy, new strength, new encouragement. Whatever it is you have to face today, he'll give you what you need today. Whatever it is you have to face tomorrow, he'll give you what you have to face tomorrow. Whoops. So if we mess up today, his compassion is new. If we mess up again, his compassion doesn't fail. His patience is long-suffering. His love is lavished on us. Does that mean he lets us away with everything? No. But he'll bring us to a place of love and grace every single day if we let him. Every single day. David said in Psalm 23 that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. To follow me. Following someone is an act. It does it on purpose. 
It goes after. To follow someone, you have to choose to go after that person. Does that make sense? It's just not just something you don't... Things don't attract to me. They have to make a choice to follow me. If, if, if I'm walking down the street and a dog starts following me, the dog is choosing to follow me. If, if, if people are following me, they choose to follow me. If I follow someone else, I choose to follow them. Goodness and mercy are sent by God and they choose to follow you everywhere you go. But you can hide on them. And you can shoo them away by taking on the guilt and the shame instead. And you can push them back. And when things don't work out the way you want them to work out, you can blame God. That Will Smith video I was talking about fault and responsibility, but he's talking about was blaming other people. But loads of times we blame God on stuff that God's not making happen to us. It's just the way life is working out. But goodness and mercy is there in the middle of whatever it is. And then we just need to, to realize they're following us and allow them to catch us. Allow them to catch us. Do you ever run with a little one? Or even, even um, our, our dog got a pup. And, and if you're running and the pup is chasing you, you can stop and let the pup catch you. Or you can keep running. And the stupid little thing can't catch you because his legs are too short. Right? But you can stop. But you can stop and let grace and mercy catch you. But you have to stop. God said, be still. And now, I am God, be still. Just stop. Let him catch you. I want to look real quickly at three people from the scriptures that fell down, but they got back up again because they got grace and they got mercy and they got love. And the first one was Moses. And if you want to read about Moses, go to Exodus 3 and 2. Sorry, Exodus 2, where he was born. He's born a Hebrew slave. His mammy hides him in a basket. Watch the Prince of Egypt. It'll give you a bit of an idea, but read the book. It's much better than the, than the movie. Okay. He grows up in Egyptian. He grows up in Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's house. He's rich. He's got everything going for him. He goes out. He ends up killing a guy and legging it. And he's out in the desert. And then he ends up being a shepherd. And a shepherd was probably the worst job you could get as far as the Egyptians were concerned. But he ends up being a shepherd. And in the middle of all of that, after wandering the desert and having a family and all the rest, God reaches out to him through a bush. And get this, God reaches out to him. Moses is walking around minding his sheep, minding his own business. God interrupts his day. Moses wasn't looking for God. Mercy and grace were following him. So God reaches out to him in a bush. And next thing, Moses is back. And you can skip forward and read the whole book. And you get towards the end of Exodus. Moses has led over a million people out of slavery. God has used him to be the leader he was born to be. Ephesians 2.10 says that we were created, God's masterpieces, to do good works that he prepared in advance. Moses' works were prepared in advance for him. But God reached into his situation to pull him back into a place so that he could live out what God created him to be, to rescue his people. He was a murderer, but he became one of the greatest leaders of all time because God reached out to him. 
David is known, and I always think this is amazing, David is known as a man after God's own heart. David was a murderer and an adulterer. He was a nobody that God dragged in and he became a somebody. He became a king. He was a kid who killed a giant, who then became a king, who became a runaway because the king that was there wanted to kill him, who gathered an army, who was one of the greatest kings Israel ever had. And then one time when he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, he did something he shouldn't have done. And he ended up committing adultery. And then to cover it up, he ended up committing murder. And you might sit there going, I don't relate to that. Because I've never killed anyone and maybe I never ran off with anybody. But have you ever even done it in your head? Because that's the same thing in God's eyes. But David got restored. You see, in 2 Samuel 11, it tells us all about Bathsheba and David, and then it tells us all about David having Uriah killed. But in 2 Samuel 12, God reaches out to David through a prophet. He did it through a born and bush with Moses. He did it through a man with David. But God reached out to David and said, what you did was wrong. Get your act together. Get sorted out. Get right. And he calls him back. And then he blesses him and he gives him a son called Solomon who is the wisest man that ever lived. And David's throne. And God makes a promise to David that somebody from his family line will be on the throne forever. Look all through the scriptures and you will find people after people after people who made a mess of life somewhere along the way. And God took that person and still did something amazing. Or they came from horrible circumstances and God still did something for them. Esther, she was an orphan being brought up by her uncle in a land that was like oppressed and she became a queen. Just story after story. We come from the wrong side of the tracks. That doesn't matter to God. You've messed up in life. It doesn't matter. You messed up this week. It doesn't matter. You can still do amazing things if you just let grace and mercy catch up with you. Peter is the last fellow I want to look at for a minute. And his story is real and it's personal. And do you know why I think it's personal? Because Peter is like you and he's like me. He's just a human being. If you read through the Gospels and get his story... You see that it involves him being called. You see him taking risks. You see he has a big mouth. Sometimes that's good, sometimes it's bad. You see he gets really great, amazing, rich experiences with God. He fumbles up, he denies, you see privilege. His story is our story because it's a story of grace. And a story of chance after chance after chance. Peter got to step out of a boat and walk a more. Peter got to go up a mountain and see Jesus transfigured. Only three people got to see that. He was one of them. He got to do all of that, and then he ends up in a place, and he gets so frightened that when a little girl says, you're one of them, he denies it three times. And he's been called the rock, and he's supposed to be this 
guy who's going to like, I'll go to the cross, which I will die for you. He's like, he has this amazing ability to have a big gob and say the wrong thing at the wrong time. I'll lose his head or whatever. Which is why I really love him so much because I, I just see us in him. Not just me, but us. Humanity in him. And what I love about the Bible is it never hides the messes. never hides the humanity of the people who are in it. Because these are just like you. And that gives me hope. But Jesus went, or Peter went from being called a rock to knowing after he had denied Jesus that he wasn't no rock. He was more like sand than rock. His head must have been melted because it says he went away and he wept bitterly. And he was really, really, really ripped apart over what had happened. But then, move it on. Peter decides to go back fishing. And then Jesus calls him from the shore. And then he meets Jesus again. And Jesus doesn't say everything is okay. He asks him three questions. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter goes, yeah, I love you. Yeah, I love you. And the third time is like, God, you know I love you. And Peter's hurt. And you're thinking, big deal, Peter, you're hurt. You denied him three times and he went to the cross. But his failure had to be eating him up. Had to be. Ever feel like that? I felt like that. I know that. I've certainly felt like that. Sitting thinking that my failure has made me into who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. But it hasn't. I think Peter must have been struggling with huge shame. But you know what Jesus did? He reinstated him. He didn't go, he never once gone, you shouldn't have done that. He went, go and feed my lambs. Go and feed my sheep. Go and feed my sheep. Go and do what I wanted you to do. It's going to be okay. Go and do it. Jesus never comes and goes, "Ah, what did you do that for, you gobshite? What did you do that for? He goes, do you love me? Then get up and get on with it. I was talking to someone yesterday and we were talking about because we were in a bad space. And we were going, I'm going back to the beginning. It was like, you're not going back to the beginning. You're just falling down there where you are right now. But just get up where you are right now and go on. If you're running a marathon and you start in Stephen's Green and it goes, you know the Dublin City Marathon? It's going to go all around the world. It's like it feels like it goes to Kerry and back. It's all around Dublin City. And it goes through the park and it goes here and it goes the north side and the south side and all over and then it ends up back in town again. But if you start in Stephen's Green and you're running and you fall at the 40 Glen in the Phoenix Park, you don't get up and go back to Stephen's Green and start all over again, do you? You get up. You brush yourself down. You get the bottle of water and you start running again. And you move on. When we... mess up with God, when we fall, when we do something, say something, think something, whatever it is that stops us being who we're supposed to be that day, you don't have to go back to the start. You just need to get up and accept what God has for you, which is grace and mercy and strength and the Holy Spirit to move on and go from here. And get that as a lesson, yeah. Try not to do it again. Have the strength that God gives us not to do it again. Be the person who holds the sparkler up over the water. 
rather than letting the water drown it. Because when we give in to shame and the guilt and we go, I don't have another shot in me. I can't do this again. Then what we're doing is giving in to what the enemy wants for your life. Where God wants to give you hope. He wants to give you strength. He wants to give you grace. Jesus tenderly reached out to his wounded and hurt and scared child. That was Peter. Peter had gone through the worst couple of weeks of his life. He'd made the biggest mess of his life. And now he faced the man that he offended, the one that he denied, the one that he rejected. I do not know. Do you ever do something wrong and then you don't want to have a quiet time? You don't want to go to church. You don't want to sit and read your Bible. You don't want to be with people who are Christians because you just feel guilty. And it pushes you away. I kept trying to think, what must it have been like for Peter? Like, he sees Jesus, Jesus calls him off the boat, then he goes, oh, it's Jesus, right, great, jumps off the boat, runs in, then gets there and goes, oh. Because he says nothing. If you read the story, Peter gets there, but he doesn't say, Jesus, great, see, nothing. Peter couldn't talk. Jesus has to come to him. And I don't think we're any different. But what I want to tell you is, even when you mess up and you feel like that, Jesus will come to you. He'll come to you. See, and here's the bit. I honestly don't know what's going on in most of your lives this week. But I have a feeling God wants to speak this into your life. Whatever's happened this week, he's coming to you. He's calling to you. Maybe not from a burning bush, but he's calling to you. Peter needed restoration and he got it. He needed Jesus and he got it. And here's the thing, Peter that was trembling at the question of a servant girl is now preaching to 3,000 people. The same guy. Afraid of his life. And a few weeks later is preaching to thousands. Because he gets restored by God. And when you get restored by God, you don't have to wait for 10 years to earn your stripes back. You don't have to wait for something, pay the penance and pay the thing, whatever. God restores you, he restores you there and then. People will want you to pay that. People will want you to earn it all again. But God doesn't do that. Because I really think Peter is like you and he's like me. He's us. Let me read a couple of scriptures. And then I finish. See, because new beginnings are around us all the time. And they're in you and in me every single day. And you don't have to wait for a clean slate. God is in the business of making all things new. In 1 Corinthians 5.17 it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. The truth of that is you're new in Christ even today. And if you've been walking with God amazingly and you've never messed up, and even this week, you've had a really good week and you haven't messed up or anything else, you can still be new in Christ today because you can go deeper. You can learn more. You can experience more of what he has for you. In Isaiah 43, it says, Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. I'm doing a new thing. Now it's starting. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. 
The truth of that, God's telling you, let go of what happened in the past. Whether the past was last year, 10 years ago, or last week, or yesterday, let go of it. And cling on to the new identity that we have in Jesus. 2 Corinthians says, don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, I mean, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. God is making us new every moment of every day. He's given us a fresh beginning. And then in Lamentations, because of God's great love, we're not consumed. Because his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We're going to face difficult times, but God's grace is there every day. And I'm going to finish with this in Revelation. I sent this out last week as a thing. Revelation 21, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for our husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. God's ultimate goal is renewal. His ultimate goal is relationship with you and with me. His ultimate goal is why his ultimate plan in the beginning was for a relationship with the people that he had, which was broken by sin, but which Jesus came to fix. You're here. I don't know how big of a struggle it was for you to get here today. I don't know whether it's hard to come into this space or easy. I know there's lots of people not here. And I wonder, is that because of the match or because of something else? But here's the point, I suppose. I think God wants us to know that whatever speaks into your life, whatever whispers into your ear, whatever happens in your heart that says to you, you messed up, you are not good enough, you will never be good enough, you are not going to be what he wants you to be because you're not able. I really believe God wants to tell you that is a lie from the pit of hell. So no matter what's going on, no matter what people have said, and I'm part of them people, whatever anyone has said, God says to you, you are mine, and I love you, and I know you, and I am not letting go. And you may have made choices that brought you down into a place right now where you're not happy in your life, But that doesn't mean that I can't work it all out for good. That doesn't mean that somewhere along the way we can't make things better. We can't make things right. And we can't make your life count for what it was always meant to count for. Amen. Um, Let's just pray for a minute. I think we have time. Would you just come back and sing a song? Do you mind? Yeah? Um, the one that said he's never going to give up on us. We're never going to let you go. Yeah? Um, 
Father, I, I'm very conscious that that I feel like I haven't done justice for what you want to say here. I think that, that there's something in your heart that you want to connect with someone in this room, or with everyone in this room, but with someone in particular. And I'm not sure that I got that there, Lord. So I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, you would just speak to the hearts of the people in this room. Lord, as we wait on you, come and renew. Come and renew, Lord. Lord, I pray you bless everyone who's here, those who haven't made it today. I ask that they would know your hand on their life as this week goes on, that they'd know your fellowship today, your face would shine on them. And that you would just bless them, Lord. If you need um, prayer, if you're here and there's something going on in your life that you need God to intervene in, John and Mary, you'll come up the front now. Come up and have prayer before you leave. Let us agree with you that the God who created the heavens and the earth is on your side. That the God who works miracles can change any situation. And that that God knows your name and loves you beyond a shadow of a doubt. Father, I pray your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.